Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, our, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. I forgot about that intro. That's kind of the high voice. I forgot about that one. Your high voice? Yeah, I forgot about that intro. Comes out every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> I have to imagine when you're watching Craig Kimbrell try to close out a game, it comes ah, out. Come on. 106 <laughs> wins. What are you going to do? Well, what happens in the postseason? No, I know. All I know. Right. I'm worried. Blake Snell going to shut down the Dodgers and Craig Kimbrell's going to blow it in the ninth. Hey, as long as Blake Snell has 85 pitches through two innings. That's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. He's going to have to throw 160 to get through five yeah, innings. Exactly. So you'll be A lot fine. of three and two counts last night. But those four innings, they are going to be shut down by Blake Snell. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah, then we're going to have to rally. Rally back. The first bite. Absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. No. Are the Raiders more likely to make the playoffs or get a top five pick? So I got to choose one. Yep. Like, Should I make no this in, a poll? There's no in between like seven and ten and they get like a 15th pick. No, because that's most likely. We're picking one extreme or the other extreme. I'm going to go the extreme. I think opposite of you. I'm going to go the extreme of they're going to make the playoffs. Wow. Look at you. How yeah. do you know what I think? Because you're going to go the other way. <laughs> Okay, but my question remains. Do we want to make this a poll? I don't care. Put it on Twitter. Okay. So, Football Outsiders has odds. Playoff odds, 17.8% for the Raiders. Yep. Under 18%. Chances to get a top five pick, 34.6%. Well, these are the percentages you get after 0-3. Yes. Right? I mean, that's, that's obvious. So... If you're 0-3, you're getting these percentages. But looking long-term, uh, I just top five pick at this point, I can't say. Now, which one are you going to go with? Top five pick. Of course. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm going to double down even harder. Top two pick. They have a 9% Whoa. chance to Whoa. get the number one overall pick. What's what's 9%? Yeah, to get number one overall, which is sixth best in the league, by the way. Which, right as of right now, the Raiders would have the number one pick. They have the worst record in the NFL. Yeah. Jacoby Winman. So they should maybe be, you know, getting a top five pick at this point. But here's my actual question. What would it take for the Raiders to decide it's better for us to lose? Coming up with a, and I know Dave Ziegler's already been at college game scouting, which he should be. But deciding that there's a quarterback out there that they have to have. So Derek Carr being bad for three to I, four more weeks? Yeah, and coming up with, because yeah. there's a lot of quarterbacks in the draft, but I don't know which one everyone's going to think at, is the best. At what point do we start going, well, we got to find out what we have in Jared Stidham? Never. We know what he has. He's not good. <laughs> no. Don't play no, him. No, I'm at the fan base. I know we know we have an opinion on him. I mean, at what point does the fan base go, 
Well, we gotta uh, maybe maybe start Stidham. So he knows the offense. The and, he doesn't need to learn to win. And apparently that's Derek Carr's problem. He doesn't know the offense yet. Um, but for the overall health of the Raiders organization, after an zero and three start, it is in their best interest to tank. Zero and three already? Yes, really. They, if you believe these odds, yeah, I know they have thinking. an eighteen percent chance to make the playoffs. If you believe the odds, you don't believe those. Well, you asked me to pick one extreme. I know. I still think they're going eight and nine or seven and ten and not making the playoffs and getting like the thirteenth pick. Like if you ask me what I really think is going to happen, right? Which was terrible. That's the worst possible well, outcome yeah, because for the you're, season. It's the Milwaukee Bucks many years of just picking 14th. Yeah. Sorry, Jared. Don't worry, Giannis fell to like 14, so it worked out well <laughs> that's for true, him. That's true. The one, yeah, the, <laughs> the one, one time, it the worked. one time they were in purgatory, Giannis fell. But that is that's the absolute worst ending to this season. Is seven wins and you're picking 11th to yeah. 13. It's terrible. That's a that's a disaster. You don't make the postseason. And listen, after an zero and three start, you're probably never even remotely close, right? You're probably scratching and clawing to get to seven wins, which isn't a playoff team. So that's the worst place they can be. Which is why it's in the best interest of the franchise's health to lose as many games as they can the rest of this season. Well, we have the first question for Josh McDaniels this morning at his availability. But and that's that's kind of the like that's one of the big issues with tanking and take the Miami Dolphins, right? The owner gets in trouble for, well, they said he was joking, but the owner supposedly went to Brian Flores and said, Hey, a hundred thousand dollars. Every time you lose a game, that's what the Raiders should be doing right now. But you're not going to get first year head coach, Josh McDaniels doing that. He's not going to be like, Oh yeah, of course we're going to lose because if you're a coach, you don't care about the long-term health of a franchise because most coaches aren't around for the long term. Most coaches are in and out of jobs in five years or so. So if you're Josh McDaniels, you you want to win every single possible game. Yeah, sure. You want to be seven and eleven or seven and ten and not three and fourteen. That that's a big difference if you're Josh McDaniels. But if you're the Raiders and overall, looking at the big picture, three and fourteen is so much better than seven and ten. It's so much better. Because if you're three and fourteen, you're getting like pick number three. Jared, oh and three. Here we go. Going three and four. They're not making the playoffs. <laughs> it's not going to happen. They're going to have to have an unbelievable turnaround to make the postseason. Because, and again, we talked about it all offseason the strength of the AFC West and the strength of the AFC in general. This is not, they're not in a bad division. They're not in the AFC South, right? If they were in the AFC South at 0 3, I'd be saying, ah, this team's going to win the division. But they're not. They got to beat Kansas City. I don't know if the Chargers are going to be healthy for the rest of the year, but they might be decent. And the Broncos might win every game 11 to 10. It might happen, right? Might. Like, they don't have a bad team in the division that they can look around and say, oh, we're definitely ahead of them, let alone two or three bad teams I mean, in the division. They are the bad team. Right. <laughs> and then you look towards the rest of the AFC, all of a sudden, Buffalo and Miami appear to be locked on playoff teams from the AFC East. The AFC North, you've got Baltimore that's very good. And then Cleveland, their schedule gets really tough, but they're decent. Cincinnati might turn it around. And all of a sudden, you look at the AFC South sucks. But like you're looking at, there's going to be well, seven. Someone's, someone's coming out of it. Right. There's going to be at least one playoff team there. There's going to be at least seven decent to good teams in the AFC West and or in the AFC in total. And you're already on three. 
Like you suck already. You're you're so far behind everybody right now. It's going to be so hard to play catch up unless you're that much better than everybody. And they're not. They're not that much better than everybody. They should be tanking. Like if you're the Raiders, if you're Mark Davis, you that, oh, that meeting after they lost should have been to tell Josh McDaniels, <laughs> okay. we need to do that every week the rest go of the season. Really short limb here and say that was not the conversation. I bet it wasn't that, either that he had with Josh McDaniels. But it should have been. It should have been, hey, you know what Brian Flores did? He he turned me in. Don't do that. Here's a hundred thousand dollars every time you lose. <laughs> oh man, that's what should be happening. That's what's good for you've, the Raiders. You've fallen off the edge at zero and three. Yes, they won four straight ten last year to get to the playoffs. You and, don't know they could do it again. And if they win four straight again, guess what? They're four and three no, and not even winning they, the division. They're winning games, and then they're going to end with. They're not going to lose five or six in the middle of the season. Well, if they lose five or six they in the middle of the season, probably will. Then it's uh, then it's not going to be uh, playoff time. They probably will lose five of six in the middle of the season. I mean, I've been enjoying that fans are, seem confused that they're not winning one score games like they did at the end of last year. Like that was something that's a replicatable. Well, exactly. Like it, it doesn't carry over, even if you do have the best kicker, <laughs> which they do. <laughs> they should be tanking. And regard and and I'll say this: even if they're even if there's not a quarterback they love, even if they say, "Hey, we're, we're going to bring Derek Carr back." You should be tanking. Go get some edge rusher or some defensive player or something. Somebody that can get to the quarterback, unlike Chandler Jones, right? Go find somebody in that top two or three picks. That's what would be best for the Raiders. Instead, they're going to do exactly what you said. They're going to win like seven games. They're going to be picking 12th in the draft, and they'll get a decent player there, but not one that really changes the outlook of the franchise. I mean, and that's not the ideal. You either want to make the playoffs or you want to be drafting a difference maker. In the organization. And they, they're highly unlikely to get that at 12. They're much more likely to get that at 1, 2, or 3. No, I thought, I thought we were going to Jared. I thought you had something. No, I'm trying to remember what uh, picks they gave away for uh, Devontae Adams. This, this year's this, first and second. They have first. everything next year. Oh, okay. Except they swap six and sevens with like New England. Like so this year's, first, this year's first. Good thing they didn't trade that away. God, they'd be in the worst possible scenario. They'd be a bad team without their first round pick. Oh, so if this were me playing Madden, which thank God it isn't, <laughs> as we approach the trade deadline, I would a hundred percent be doing what Tyler said. I'd be tanking and I would start selling assets, like so that my team will be like a bunch of twenty-two year olds next year. <laughs> no, no, you only need to sell Derek Carr, and that's if you think there's a quarterback you can draft. The rest of the, they've got good players. You don't need to trade away Adams and Renfro. Maybe you can trade away Waller, but you don't need to trade away Adams and Renfro and Crosby, and nobody's going to take Chandler Jones right now. So you only, the only thing you trade is Derek Carr. The only thing you look at Miller. Is, is say, well, he sucks at the moment, so you might not get anything for him either. I'll take a third. That's not very good. I'm, so, just try, hey, I'm just trying to accumulate assets so that I can then go into the draft, and if I wanted to, I could try to move up. But they, they should be... Good next year. Like, this is not a, hey, tank, so they're good in 2025. This is a, hey, you put in some good pieces. You got to figure out a way to be good next year. Because you already ruined this season. You're already 0-3. It's already over. Boy, you are off the edge. What do you think they're doing? You think they're beating Denver and Kansas City in back-to-back weeks? They are, like, best-case scenario, 1-4 well, going into the bye. best-case scenario, probably 1-4 and four entering the bye. And then they get everything settled. <laughs> they do a little refresh, hit the refresh button, and finish then pull off some wins, and then and we're, we're talking about a different scenario here. And I'm, then finish 7 and 10. I, 
Well, that's what I said, though. I said 7, 10, 8, and 9. Right, which is, that's what I'm trying to avoid. If I'm the Raiders, I am but desperately that's what you trying think's gonna to happen. avoid that. Yes, and I'm desperately trying to avoid that. How many years do you think it will take Derek Carr to be in this system before he has fully learned the system? Because didn't it take like two years under Gruden for people to be like, it he took, finally understands the it, system? It took him, and it took him uh, some time under Del Rio also. It's it's been kind of a situation where it takes him maybe more than a season even to really get down a system. And Jared's right; it, the same thing happened with Gruden, if you remember. Yeah, get a new quarterback then. Well, that's oh, what they just, might do. There's a, a ton of quarterbacks in the draft. Also, just stop hiring guys who have complicated systems. I don't, are they even that complicated? I, I don't know, but apparently if it takes you multiple years to learn a system, that might be what's hindering progress. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some Golden Knights because where exactly is Nick Hague right now? Fiala, left circle. Passes right. Top of the umbrella, back to the left. Fiala changing places. A shot from the right wing, they score. And Los Angeles wins in overtime. Adrian Kempe from the right dot. The lefty rips it home past Aiden Hill. They win it with a power play goal in overtime. Final score, Kings 2, Golden Knights 1. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. The Golden Knights, do they play again tonight? Another preseason yeah. game? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then Friday. Wow. There's a lot of preseason games yes. in a hurry. Okay. Another preseason game tonight. Hear it over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, but we had this report from Jeff Merrick earlier in the week. Nick Haig is skating with the Kitchener Rangers of the OHL. Uh, apparently, Chris Dennis is the head coach of that team, and he helped Nick Haig when he was with the Chicago Wolves of the AHL. Um, is that a bad sign that Nick Hague, and by the way, Nick Hague, restricted free agent who has not signed his qualifying offer. He wants a new contract, but he and the Golden Knights have not agreed to it. Do you think that is a bad sign for Nick Hague's uh, chances of a, being on the team? This year? I think it's a much worse sign than for Nick Hague than for the Golden Knights. Because <laughs> I think the Golden Knights have <laughs> kind of probably put their feet in the sand and uh, that's that. I don't think they're. I, I really don't think. Just reading all this stuff and um, what we've talked about a lot, I don't think the Golden Knights are moving very much on these negotiations. And Nick Haig is, for whatever reason, continuing to hold out. You don't. You don't believe Kelly McCrimmon when he says he's priority number one. Well, I mean, how many priorities are there at this point? That's you have true. your team, and you know your the season's going to start, and you have who you have. So. There's not many priorities left, so I guess he could be priority number one, but you, he could be priority number one, and the Golden Knights could you know, have firmly planted their feet and said, this is where we're right. standing. So I ex I guess I expect Nick Haig to ultimately lose in this situation, right? Like the qualifying yes. offer is 800000 something dollars, something like that, for one year. That's effectively the contract that he could sign right now and be playing. There's no negotiation needed. That's just what the CBA says the Golden Knights have to offer Nick Haig as a restricted free agent. Um, but he wants more than that. Yeah. And if we read between the lines, uh, Vince Sapienza had the quote from Nick Haig's agent that was like, uh, Nick Haig is not responsible for the Golden Knights salary cap issues, which basically implied the Golden Knights are like, hey, we can't offer you very much because of the salary cap. I'm guessing it just comes down to when does Nick Haig think it's okay to play for one point 
one million dollars. Well, what's their cap right now? A little over two, right? I believe so. So he obviously wants more than that. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're going to go over two million for Nick Hague. <laughs> I and they they shouldn't. I I think from the team, and this is this is where it. I think it all comes down to Nick Hague's decision because if I'm the Golden Knights. I am not going out of my way to sign Nick Hague to a bigger deal, right? If he if if he want if if he's fine with a million dollars or something, all right, we can do right. that. But Nick Hague is, you know, obligated if he's going to play for the Golden Knights this year, it's eight hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. That's that's what the CBA says. So if I'm the Golden Knights and I look at my roster, and I have Shea Theodore and Alex Trangelo and Braden McNabb and Alec Martinez and Zach Whitecloud. Right, those are five proven NHL defensemen. When Nick Hague signs, he's the sixth guy, right? right. He f- slides in there. But if I'm the Golden Knights, I look at my roster and I say, I can get by with those five and Ben Hutton or whoever else that sixth defenseman ends up being during the season. I can get by with that. I can survive with a you know, my sixth defenseman not r- truly being an NHL level defenseman, and maybe Ben Hutton or somebody else proves to be an NHL level defenseman, but. If I'm the Golden Knights, that's how I'm looking at it and saying, yeah, we can get by without Nick Hague. It's our it's our sixth best defenseman, and our top yeah. five are pretty good. So if I'm the Golden Knights, I'm sitting back saying, I don't have much cap space. I don't truly need Nick Hague. Like, our season doesn't depend, depend on Nick Hague, on Nick Hague right. being in here. I'm not offering him very much. Like, yeah. I, I might appease him a little bit and give him a little bit more than the qualifying offer. But I'm not offering him very much. I'm not giving him, you know, whatever he wants if it's two million plus or something like that. So, from the Golden Knights' perspective, this is how they should be handling it. Yes. Like, and their team I don't will think be he should be bending fine. over backwards for Nick Hague. Right. And then I, you feel a little bit bad for Nick Hague because he doesn't actually have leverage. Like his only leverage is to sit out. But sit goal, out the year. Yeah, but the and but even then you don't really have leverage. No, because you come back in the same situation. Right, he gets the same qualifying offer next year if he misses the entire season. So Nick Hague can't really do it. The the only thing Nick Hague really would have going for him is if they sustained an injury, like if they an injury or like you said, whoever the sixth guy is is just so bad, right? That they're like, all right, we've got to get him in. I mean, but like if all of a sudden. Petrangelo or Theodore or McNabb or Go Martinez down. are hurt or and really in Nick Hague's situation, you might need two of them. For well, the Martinez gold. already has that mid body injury. Uh, mid body. Um, but you in, in all seriousness, he might need two of them for the Golden Knights to actually go into a little bit of a panic mode. But if there's that that's that's really it. Outside if they stay healthy going into the regular season, and then obviously they'll have some injuries during the season. But Nick Hague has until sometime in December or else he has to miss the whole year. That's really the only situation that Nick Hague gains any leverage or has any leverage is if they have injuries and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're playing Ben Hutton on the second pair. Right. I'd much rather have Nick Hague in here to play on the second pair. And that's kind of it. Like for Nick Hague, otherwise you're just kind of screwed and you got to go skate with the, what are the Kitchener Rangers? Kitchener Rangers with Chris Dennis. Where the hell's Kitchener at? Either one of you want to take a guess as to where Kitchener is? I'm on it. I know where it is. I'm, I'm asking you to guess. Uh... Canada? I mean, yes, it's in Canada. That's a, yeah. Anytime there's a hockey team and you're going to guess where it is, you can guess Canada. But where in Canada? Western Canada? No, Eastern Canada. Outside of Toronto. So he's in Toronto. It's not even close to here. This isn't like, oh, he's skating in LA. No. He's in Toronto. Ontario hockey. He is beyond the horizon. (laughs) He's got to cross an international border to get to the horizon. Right. 
So I don't know what it means that he's skating with another team. Well, I mean, he's got to work out somewhere. And he knows this guy, and there's there's yeah. uh, there's a relationship with him. So it's like when, I guess uh, it's not totally crazy to think he went to someone he knew. But I just think being that far away, out of sight, out of mind, they're playing these preseason games. If Hutton shows enough, then you're exactly right. Like what 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 is their what is their reason to pursue him at any level other than what they're offering? Or let's say he's, let's say the salary cap comment was he, they want more than two million. Okay, you're not getting that, but you know, come up to like one three, you right. know, something like that. Like, right. all right, we're you know, you're at eight hundred, we're gonna give you one three, and you know, take it or leave it. So we had a couple of reports. I think Elliot Friedman had them before training camp actually started. The players were sort of practicing by themselves. They were skating out at yeah, City skating, National, yeah. and reportedly Nick Haig was a part of those. That Nick Haig was involved in that. And then I guess you know, it's different once official training camp starts. But could he not? skate just when the Golden Knights aren't practicing? I think it'd be funny if the media came out after talking to everybody and there was only Nick Haig on the ice. <laughs> like, like, is waving that... Waving at him. Like, hey, Nick Haig! If Nick Haig said, like, hey, uh, team... I don't know if that's... That's a good point. I don't know if they would allow that. Right, if you're like, hey, I know we're in a contract negotiation battle, but, you know, there's only, like, four sheets of ice in this city, and you own three of them. Um, am I Am I allowed... <sighs> can I skate here, like... On the other rink when the team, you know, not with the team, but am I allowed to skate here? This really reminds me of when Ben Simmons was organizing pickup games because he was holding out. <laughs> he was at the Y going, all right, you two guard me. <laughs> we got to go. But there's plenty of basketball I'm... courts everywhere. Like if Nick Haig wanted to skate. We got a skating rink up the road. There's the ice center right here on Flamingo. Yes. Other than that, there's no other rinks, right? It's City National and where the Silver Knights practice. I mean, right. can... and, and the Knights own those. And the, yeah, the Golden Knights own well, all of those. So the Golden Knights own four out of the five ice rinks in this city? Is that. No, I mean, we could tech. Do either of you have any contacts with Boyd? Let's see how much it costs to rent out the Orleans Arena. Just for Nick Haig? It's probably, it probably was cheaper for Nick Haig to buy a plane ticket to Toronto, rent out some Airbnb for a week, and then fly back whenever yeah. he gets a contract than it was to try to get the Orleans to put their ice down. That's an interesting point. I really wonder if because they're in this contract negotiation that he would ask. Right. I I don't want to say he wouldn't be allowed though. Cuz if I'm if I'm Nick Haig, I don't want to fly to Toronto for ice. Right. Like I'd much rather and maybe there's a level of hey he wants to play with players, I guess. Yeah, and if he if he was here, he would be skating by himself, be alone, or he'd or, have the, some of the UNLV kids out there. <laughs> he should practice with them. I mean, just I'm not, crush them, you know. Uh, but it's you know, just how good are the Kitchener Rangers compared to them? I have no, I have no idea. It's the first time I've ever heard of the Kitchener Rangers. It's just a little strange that it was like, yeah, I'm going to fly to Toronto to practice, and then you look around and say, what? well, where would he practice here? Well, the Golden Knights own all of the ice in this city. So if they're if they're not going to allow him, which I don't, maybe there maybe there's an NHL rule, maybe that he can't be at the facility of whom he's negotiating with. Well, like if you if you don't have a contract signed, you can't. I don't know. Maybe you can't be at the facility of which your team plays. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's that sounds. I mean, possible. they've got two sheets over there. I can't believe. I mean, there's you know, kids leagues and stuff, but there's time during the day that he could skate. I'm sure. Just I'd love to know the answer to that question to know, and I'd love to know the answer to that question if he's eligible to do that. If they say no to him, 
Right. Like, I'd love to know that answer. Like if they're just saying, no, Get we can't do, we, we can't have you here and we can't have you in the locker room and there's media in the locker room now and all of that. All right. Coming up next, Don Logan joins the show. Bolt hammers one on the line down the left field side that drops and a roll into the corner for extra bases. Simonite scores. Getting the wave around third is Stevenson. The throw cut off by the shortstop Machado and Sky Bolts just made this game interesting. A two RBI double, and the Aviators are within a run. It's a 7-6 Sacramento advantage. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. We do not have Don Logan just yet. I will say coming up uh, later in the show, we're going to have tickets to go see Roger Waters. We're going to have tickets to go see Eddie Vedder, and we're going to have tickets to 702 Brewfest out at uh, the Orleans. So stay tuned if you are interested in winning any of those. The AAA championship is coming to Las Vegas. Uh, the PCL and the International League's two best teams are playing out here to crown a champion. Um, but I'll ask you this. Uh, it happened on a Friday, which I've said many times before is the worst day for anything to happen for the show. But Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run. Oh, yeah, I know who he hit it against. I wasn't even going to bring that up, but he did hit it against the Dodgers. Um, hit two that night. Which, by the way, Dodger fans, very excited to see Pujols hit 700. Standing ovation. Yeah, they were pumped. I guess I would have been, too. Yeah. It's not like anything. Dodgers aren't going to blow anything at this point in the season. Uh, but the fan that caught the ball reportedly uh, left the stadium with the ball. He didn't. The, the Cardinals, I guess, tried to negotiate him with, the, with him there, but he left the stadium with the ball. So you catch the 700th home run ball by Albert Pujols. What are you doing? We've had this discussion in the past and you've always called me a buffoon for doing this, but, and I think it has a lot to do with what my career has been as a sports writer. And this is absolutely the truth. I would give it back to him. Really? I would give it back to him for nothing. I mean, I'm not a Cardinal fan, so I don't know if I want to. I mean, do I want his but jersey it happened, signed? I mean, Maybe his jersey signed because he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. It and, happened at the Dodgers. So you'd be like, listen, Cardinals, yeah, go get I the mean, Dodgers involved over well, here. Well, go get Trey Turner involved and Kershaw and start giving me jerseys <laughs> and bats and balls. And and they probably would because they love him because he was on right. the team last year. They love the guy. That's a good point. I would say, here's your ball, but before you do that, before I do that, head over Dodger. I also want like $500 worth of Dodger gear. I would like clean up on the Dodgers. Clean up? But I'd give him the ball. You've given up on like $2 million. Though. I know I have. I know. And I don't. We've had this discussion in the past. We've had this discussion in the past. You got you to sell this one, though. I know you want to be nice, but you got to sell that one. You have to. I just think I'd feel, I'd just feel bad that it's his ball. And, and he's the one who always says it's about the fans. Like He doesn't. Oh, he's, he's, he yeah. has said that every time. Like, yeah, it's about the fans. They can have the ball. Right. I don't care. Albert Pujols always being nice. All right, joining us now, the president of the Las Vegas Aviators, Don Logan. Good morning, Don. How hey, are Don you? Eight. What's going on, fellas? What's up? Uh, so you guys are hosting the AAA championship uh, out here in Las Vegas, two best from the PCL and the International League out here to crown a AAA champion. I'm, I'm curious. I know you guys had this canceled earlier. It was supposed to happen a couple years ago. But uh, was it easy to convince uh, people to bring this game to Las Vegas? Yeah, I mean, Vegas is easy to get people to come to. I, I think that that's uh, this format's the tough part. You know, you've got El Paso against Torino in Vegas to decide the PCL championship, and then Durham against Nashville in Vegas to decide the IL championship, and then the two winners play. It's a, you know, a, 
over a weekend. It's a, it's a unique format. It's, you know, it's something we've never tried. We've got our new world order in baseball with the uh, major league baseball, you know, taking over minor league baseball's management now. So, uh, or, you know, you've got the uh, ABS, you've got the uh, challenge, you've got bigger bases. We've got a pitch clock. It's a, uh, so everything's different. So this is going to be different as well, but uh, we're looking forward to it. I know at the AAA level, you guys have gotten to see a lot of the rule changes that are coming to Major League Baseball. Uh, are there any of those that you've seen at the AAA level that you really liked and thought improved uh, the game or the experience? The pitch clock definitely does. You know, uh, I was watching Dodgers and Padres last night, and I was you know, they don't have to do it. And you see guys stepping out, fixing their batting gloves. You see uh, that Martin guy came in late for the Dodgers last night. I, I fell asleep. I had to wake back up to watch the end of it because you know, he's taken so long, you know, slow the game down. And that the pitch clock really does help. I think that, you know, baseball to me, it, I'm a purist. I, it's going to take as long as it takes. We don't have a clock, but that part of it really needed to, to be improved because it, it, it got ridiculous. You know, it just, uh, Lenny Dykstra started that stuff and it, it, it just, it's gotten, it got to the point where it, it really slowed the game to a point where it wasn't fun to watch anymore. Are you a shift uh, guy, Donnie? No, no, I do think that, uh, you know, one of the things Eddie, that's so bad right now. And, and I, you know, I, I hate to clip on our game, but, Defense has really fallen off, uh, and the reason for that is that you've got you know you can't turn a double play when you're in, when the the shift is in order. Uh, guys are playing too deep to get the up uh, the middle, especially you can't get to the base to turn it. Uh, things you know that the data is there. They've got what's called a heat map. They like every at bat that you have, they've got data on, and they know. You know, where, how often you pull the ball, how often you hit it up the middle, how often you go the other way. They know where you're going to, where you're likely. You know, they, they want predictability. That's what all these data geeks want, is that, uh, and they've got it. So, but this is going to, it'll improve, it'll put more offense back into it. It'll make pitchers have to start pitching. Right now, they just throw. They stand out there and everybody throws 100, and here you go, hit it, and, when those guys have their secondary stuff on, their their off speed stuff, they're really tough to hit anyway. So the, eliminating the shift gives the hitter a, a little bit of an advantage back. I like that. Are there any rule changes coming to Major League Baseball or ones you guys have used at the AAA level that you haven't liked? You know, I'm uh, I, again. I, I like the shift. I like the, the you know eliminating the shift. I like the the pitch clock is good. The base, I'm not sure that that really makes that big a difference. It's it, it's cosmetic for the most part. Uh, you'll see in this weekend series, we're using the uh, ABS challenge system. And the, the challenge is, is that when ABS was in play, I was thinking it was not going to be very good. Uh, the computer calling balls and strikes, it eliminated a lot of arguing. Uh, you know, the the people, the players uh, knew that, you know, they, they watch it on TV and they see the, the, the triangle on the TV screen and they see when the, the pitch is in it, when it's out of it, and they know that, you know, sometimes you can't tell it's the 
you know, guys are throwing 95 to 100 miles an hour. It, it's hard to see. The uh, Now what they've done is the umpires get to make the call, and the pitcher, the catcher, or the hitter can challenge. You get three challenges. And everything they're trying to do, it just confuses people. Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> now we're going to do it this weekend. We've been doing it here the last six weeks, uh, I think five to five or six uh, ballparks in AAA were using it because we have the technological capability to do it. A lot of places, the older parks don't have that. So uh, I'm not a big fan of the challenge system. I, the ABS actually wasn't that bad. Uh, I think they're thinking this challenge thing, they can sell that to the umpires union, but it does, you know, there's a lot of questionable calls and there's a, when you, get the challenge right, you keep your challenge. When you're wrong, you lose it. And most times, the, the whoever's calling that's right, the catcher has a pretty good idea if it's a strike or ball. So it, uh, I'm not a big fan of that. It has been, for all intents and purposes, all quiet on the A's front. Um, there's still stuff to do up in Oakland, but it's been quiet down here. I think Cobble's only taken 10 trips this week and not his usual 25. <laughs> uh, is there, I mean... You've always had a sense of what might happen. Uh, has your mind changed, and why do you think it's all quiet? Are they still kind of looking up in Oakland as to, and kind of letting that play out first? They are. Um, that's part of it, I think. Uh, the other part, too, is that you know what they are looking for here as well, you know, in, in Oakland as well, is what type of, a, of public support are they going to get? Well, uh, Public support means um, elected officials are going to figure out a way to to assist in the construction of the stadium financially, and it, there's a, a a number of ways that that can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, the you know we've got an election coming up in six weeks that uh, you know that Steve Sislak, who you know as the chairman of the county commission. Uh, the time Brian Sandoval is the governor, uh, along with some, you know, Sheldon Adelson, Steve Wynn, folks like that, had a huge. I mean, the Allegiant Stadium doesn't exist without them. Uh, you know, the public financing portion of that deal that they they helped put together is what uh, you know, allowed the place to get built, which brought the NFL here. And obviously, it's been great having the NFL, having Allegiant here, all the other things it can do as well. Uh, you know, the A's want something like that. I don't know that anybody's ever going to get that good a deal again, but none of the politicians are going to be able to step up right now in an election year and, and risk uh, giving their opponent something else to, to clip on them about. And, and so it's going to be quiet on that front, certainly until after the, the first or the second Tuesday in November, then. Uh, or the first two, whatever the hell the the election day is, <laughs> right after that. <laughs> well, it is the AAA championship uh, weekend starting September 30th out here at Las Vegas Ballpark. He is the president of the Las Vegas Aviators. Don, uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much Thanks, for joining Donnie. us. Thanks, Alex. Take See, it easy. You too. So there is Don Logan again, September 30th through October 2nd uh, out at Las Vegas Ballpark. It's, again, there's three it's single elimination baseball. There's three games, the two division winners in the PCL play, the two division winners in the International League play, and then the winner of those two games. Play the championship. Yes, so single elimination baseball. Um, but yeah, there's Don Logan, not afraid to uh, I didn't think give us thoughts I, I, on uh, anything, really. I mean, I should have, but uh, election year makes a lot of sense. There's no one going 
up for the debates right now saying, well, we're going to give this much money for public money. That would be a well, career not so good. Especially considering, like, gas prices and inflation yeah, and stuff. Yeah, the last thing you're stumping right yeah, now. Yeah, like, literally, like, I want to give the billionaire that owns the A's yes. more money. <laughs> yes. That's not happening. That would be in a commercial the very next day. Like if, on if, Wednesday, like if Sisolak said that the very next day, there'd be like a paid for by the office of Joe Lombardo. <laughs> Steve Sisolak wants to give away your money while gas prices are rising. Like in the very next day, that'd be a commercial, which, by the way, election season sucks. I just want to watch a football game without 47 yes. ads about how every person running for office is the worst and human goes, on earth. And they, and they go back to back the people. Oh, my God. Seven. It's like back to back, like 60 seconds or 30 second spots. I know I know. we have to give like equal coverage, so I'm not going to say the politician. I saw one politician, po- like political ad where the guy just sort of was like, this is what I've done. This is what I plan to do. <laughs> Those don't exist. That's it. I don't believe and like, you. No, and I literally was like, all right, I'm voting for you. <laughs> I don't believe you. I haven't seen that. Because everyone is, I'm going to tell you why my opponent is the worst human on earth. No, this guy was just like, I, I did these two things. All right, bye. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll stick with some baseball. But first, we got some tickets to give away. If you want to go out to 7-0 Brewfest out at the Orleans, we got your tickets right now. That's 702-364-1100 is the phone number. It starts tomorrow. It's a four-day festival at the Orleans 70 Brew Oktoberfest. We'll take caller number five at 702 364 1100. Tickets for 70 Brew Oktoberfest. Three and two to Alfaro with the bases loaded, two outs. Tied at three in the 10. Kimbrel deals. The pitch is outside, ball four, and the Padres walk it off. Literally. Alfaro with his fifth walk off RBI of the year on a walk as Azokar scores. And the Padres' magic number to clinch a playoff berth is down to four. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. That was a walk-off walk in the 10th. Uh, Going back to that album, Pujol Spell, you know he didn't get it authenticated, right? I thought they were were auto-authenticated. I read the huge, Major League Baseball. a huge story that he just left it, and he just left, and that that was going to mess him up. Oh, uh, really? I, I a read lot of that, stories. I read that before Pujols hit a 700 home run, the Major League Baseball was using different balls for Pujols that were auto-authenticated. They had something written. I didn't know they were auto-authenticated. They were using different balls for him. They brought in different balls every time he came up. Yeah. So wait, where did he go? Because he the guy caught, caught the 700th home run ball. And by the way, he caught it. Good job, dude. Right. And then immediately, a security guard like grabs him and gets him out of the crowd, and they walk. They're gone. They're down a tunnel somewhere. Where'd he go? I mean, I think they're home. He's, he's ready to meet with the Cardinals, right? <laughs> but like, well, no, he didn't. He didn't end up negotiating. He didn't even with meet them. with them. I don't know. He might have met with them, but like, a, a security guard led this guy out of the crowd, and you're telling me they didn't go to an authenticator to get the little sticker on it? That's that was the point. Um, and again, it was all social media that said he left without it, so that could be total BS. But I would think that they would tell him that, hey, don't leave with this without doing this. I would assume so. Yeah, I I would assume because again, a security guard led him out of the crowd and down a tunnel somewhere. I would have assumed that was a hey, we're going you need to, to get this authenticated. The ball. One, we're getting you out of this crowd so nobody tries to beat you yeah. up for the ball. And two. Here's the MLB authenticator. He's going to put a little sticker what on it. What will the 
punches being thrown at Yankee Stadium if he goes home <laughs> against the Orioles and hits it and it goes into left field in the crowd? Can you imagine the pileup that might ensue at Yankee Stadium when he hits it, if he hits it, by the way? Yeah, it's taking him forever to hit yeah. 61, which, by the way, I uh, yelled at Adam Candy about this because he's a Yankees fan, but can you believe ESPN continues to cut into yeah. other sports programs to show Aaron Judge going for 61 when it's it's not a major league record? It's a, it's a team record. It's a it's, Yankee record. It's the American League record like right. anybody cares about right. that. This is genuinely one of the most confusing things about ESPN National. They talk about the Jets all the time, and they're like, New York baseball really matters. To Yankee fans, like, who cares? Like, it's not like, if he was going for the home run record, Sure. if he was was in the, even if he was just approaching 70, 70. I'd be like, okay. But, like, 61's not a big deal. I mean, I don't want to see him walk all the time. Oh, I love it. The Blue Jays out here. What This is exactly what teams should be doing. Uh, yesterday, Aaron Judge was 0-for-1 with four walks against the Blue Jays. Uh, they walked him twice on Monday. So two games against Toronto in six this walks. series so far. Six walks and ten plate appearances. They're just not throwing to him. <laughs> I love but it. You're not going to do it against which us. Is, Go home. Which is exactly what everyone should have been doing to Aaron Judge for the last, like, two months. Because the, Yankee, the Yankees offense had a month where nobody outside of Aaron Judge could even touch the right. baseball. Right, they've gotten, I think, a little bit better outside of Judge in the last month or so. But still, the guy's unreal, and the rest of that offense has been struggling. Like, it, if the Astros play the Yankees in the World Series, Just I walk hate em. intentional walks. I don't know that they should throw a single strike to that guy. Well, Dusty is weird enough to where he would just intentionally walk him without throwing anything. Dusty would probably be like, "We have to earn it, so we're gonna throw, we're gonna pitch to him." <laughs> Only fastballs, fast guys. Ball. One five down, down the, the middle. middle. That's One right. five down the middle. Like we got to earn our trip to the World Series. But this is what you should be doing, especially if he comes up with like a runner on second. We put the guy on.